Better, smarter, faster. The neural network needed to power the digital ecosystem of healthcare is poised to transform care both inside and outside of hospital walls in traditional care settings. Meaningful data analytics positioned in real time to drive better diagnostics, intelligent operations, seamless care coordination, and integrated telehealth. This is the future of connected healthcare. We talk to the experts about transformational roadmaps for this evolving landscape, what's working, what's needed, and how we get there together. Welcome to Healthcare On Air, presented by Verizon. So today I'm joined by Courtney Schoon, co-host of this summer series, Addressing Health Equity. Um, Courtney, why don't you give a quick introduction, and then we'll bring Dr. Shmurgi on to introduce herself and her company. Sure. Um, thanks for having me, Robin. It's been so fun to be your co-pilot on this series. Um, so I'm Courtney Schoon. I work in the Corporate Social Responsibility Group here at Verizon and have led our accelerator program where we are finding and supporting startups that are using technology for social impact and really wanting to identify the innovation um, within the innovation ecosystem that is really leading to meaningful social change. Um, and we're excited to interview the, the cohort um, that we most recently worked with who are all focused on health equity, which has brought us to this series. Absolutely. I was, it was such a privilege to to play a small part and meet folks like Dr. Michelle Schlergi. Welcome to the show, um, founder and CEO of Equity Health. Welcome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be with us today. Um, Michelle, Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Yes. Um, why don't we start with kind of a quick introduction on you at Equity Health so people know kind of where you're coming from, um, and then we'll dive into the conversation. Absolutely. So I'm Michelle Schmergi. I have a doctorate in health policy. I'm a nurse by trade. I've been a nurse for over 16 years. I'm a nurse practitioner and I've spent the bulk of my career treating older patients in nursing homes. And then one day I just couldn't do it anymore. I thought there's got to be a better way to treat the sick and disabled and elderly members of our population. So I set out on this journey to start a new company, and this is my second company. So, you know, you got to keep iterating. Uh, the first was just a regular primary care practice. This one is really trying to shift care delivery into the home for older and disabled people in the state of North Carolina. I've also tried to figure out a way to bring healthcare, both urban and rural uh, which has been really difficult. I think that's probably one of my biggest learnings from the Verizon Accelerator. Thank you, Michelle. So that brings us kind of the first thing I wanted to ask you, you know, health equity, you know, access. I think that term health equity has a meaning that's different for whoever you're going to talk to, right? Even the cohorts we've, we've interviewed prior, they each had a different answer. So I'd love to hear from you, Michelle, kind of from your experience, what health equity means as it's kind of this this term that's being thrown around um, in a lot of different ways, you know, now, and I think coming out of COVID, it's coming into the spotlight even more. So I'd love to hear from you kind of, when you think of health equity, what does that really mean to you? Sure. Yeah. I think my def definition is really different than most. I think that health equity is, is ownership of your health and the freedom and privilege to own your own health care, which is, pretty hard to do when you're delivering health uh, and wellness. I, I think of health in three different domains, 
uh, sleep, diet, and exercise? Do you have the proper food and nutrition? Do you have the ability to get a good night's sleep and a place to lay your head at night um, and, and a house and secure housing? And then exercise, is it safe to go and take a run or a walk? Or do you have the ability to get to a, a mountain to exercise or something of that nature? It's That's near and dear to my heart. I like to hike. But um, anyway, I just think it's really important that we provide patients with the tools and access to really own their health care for themselves and not have the owners be our health systems and our payer groups. I think that's such an interesting perspective. And it's so evident in your solution, Michelle. I think it's really about giving that independence and that ownership um, to the patient and how and where they receive their um, healthcare services. Um, can you talk a little bit more about how that's embedded in all that you do um, at Equity Health? Absolutely. So our mission was kind of care anywhere. Where do you want to receive your health care? How do we give that access to you? We started in the home setting. So patients that were difficult to reach, patients that didn't have telephone or access, we had to just sort of show up on um, doorsteps and knock. And so when we gave them the technology to see us, they were incredibly engaged with their care. It still are. It blows me away some days. And then and then the most recent uh, development, which was shocking, was when patients really started to get better, to get more mobile. They wanted to go out and be social and see people. And so we've started new two bricks and mortar clinics, which I didn't, that was not at all part of this uh, process, I thought. So it really is anywhere. Some people like to come to a space to receive their health care. Some want to receive it in the home uh, and some want to do it like this over over the computer. And that's really interesting because, you know, we talk a lot about care anywhere. And, you know, as you look at the trends and kind of how people want to interact with their health care, especially the digital first natives. But I, I'm curious because I'm making the assumption that most of the folks you see are probably in the older generations or you, or how does that how does that skew in terms of percentage wise you know 50 plus or 60 plus so the bulk is 50 plus uh my average age patient is 91. wow okay yeah so uh so i really like the stage of healthcare where you no longer need any of the recommendations so you kind of age out of all the requirements at 75 and then our goal is how do we make your life awesome how do we make sure yeah. you see your friends and family that you're not in pain all the time yeah and how do we make your social interactions really positive and meaningful um and so it used to be 91, but that number is changing by month. We're having a ton of young people be interested in our model. So mothers yeah. with disabled children, um, but people who are in their middle age that are really interested in being proactive in their health, things that I never anticipated people coming to us for. It's been it's been pretty heartwarming, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of to your earlier point, people want to consume healthcare, interact with a healthcare provider wherever they are. And, you know, to be honest, why wouldn't you want to be in your home and receive care than going into a hospital, which has a lot of, it's a little scary and you could get an infection, you know, all these kind of things people think about. So in the comfort of their home, it's kind of optimal state, right? And um, even on their phone and just having options, I think that's that's really good to hear. And I'm honestly really happy to hear that the older folks you're treating are embracing technology. 
that's that's kind of it, is it a shocking way it shocked me and and really got into you know connecting with us and seeing us virtually and then once we would get them kind of rehabilitated more wanting to come out into the community mm. so Michelle, you participated in our cohort, which I, again, I was proud to be a very, very small part of it. And you were joined by six other companies that are fully focused on health equity, really at the core. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the experience and kind of, you know, anything you learned about, you know, this, as we've been talking about this, this merger of kind of technology playing a, you know, bigger and bigger role in healthcare primarily out of necessity, right? People can only yeah. interact with healthcare through technology in the home. So it's it's a big part of kind of your offering. So if you could just speak to that a little bit, that'd be great. Yeah, I thought the accelerator was an incredible experience. One of the things that stood out for me is that my co-founder and I were the only healthcare providers, people delivering like truly with an NPI and deliver healthcare in in the conventional way. And I loved seeing the way that those that weren't entrenched in healthcare tackled the problem of health equity and access to care. And it really taught me so much. I I, I thought that I wasn't nearly as focused as I needed to be. Everyone was sort of laser focused. I'm still trying to deliver care to everyone everywhere. <laughs> and that's probably a mistake. Courtney, any, any thoughts? Yeah. yeah, well, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and just talk a little bit, Michelle, about, because I think this was something that was shared across the cohort and um, in your experience with Accelerator, you've probably also noticed everyone had such wonderful, rich, lived experience that led them to starting their company and to identifying the need for their solution. And you're no exception to that. So I wondered if you could share a little bit about, you know, your personal story that really has um motivated you um, to develop this solution and found Equity Health. Yeah, I have an extensive family history and reasoning for what I do. And I, I often wish that I went the finance route and not not the nurse route. But uh, but that, that's another conversation for another day. So I grew up to very, I, I was born to very young parents. And so what happens when you have young parents is that your grandparents help raise you. And um, I had this amazing access to some brilliant minds. My, my grandpa on my dad's side was an aerospace engineer. My grandpa on my mom's side uh, taught creative thinking seminars for Walt Disney. Uh, and these awesome minds never thought to teach their kids about safe sex practices. So uh, that's another lesson for another day. <laughs> so here I am, <laughs> the uh, oldest of many, many grandchildren. My my dad has five siblings and my mom has, is, is one of eight daughters. Um, but even though I have these like awesome grandpas who, who did these amazing things, the woman who impressed me the most was my grandmother who cared for all of these people in her community. She was a military wife. She had eight daughters in nine years. One of those daughters was mentally handicapped. And she she went about her caregiving in such a way that I thought someone has to help this woman. And someone has to help her not have to shuttle these people around everywhere. I mean, there's, you know, at one point she was caring for me, my sister, her mom, her aunt, and my aunt, her daughter. So, and I used to think it was that she was superhuman and that this was uh, a rare thing and that I got access to this like superhuman woman. But it turns out that's the plight of lots of women. 
lots of women in these sandwich generations. And so I really wanted to figure out a way that we provided care. We allowed care to come into the home. Uh, One last anecdote about my grandmother. Her name's Annie. Everyone used to think she was my step-grandmother because I call her by her first name, but that was what she wanted to be called. So (laughs) she's she's my real grandmother. Uh, Biological, I suppose. Um, Anyway, so Annie's Annie in the 1950s was told to institutionalize her mentally handicapped daughter. Uh, So in the 1950s, we believed that the safest place for your child who was handicapped to go was an institution. And she refused. She thought that was absolutely ridiculous. Why on earth would I institutionalize my child? I can raise my child best. And so she didn't and she fought it. And, And part of her efforts became the norm. Uh, she fought it through the military and the military benefits. And how do you find a way to provide care for your disabled children in their home? And then as I got older, she she became terrified of her own health and who was going to put her in a home. And so I decided to really tackle this problem for her. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Courtney. I, you know, this the origin story is something I'd, I'd love, you know, because this is this is incredibly hard what you're doing, right? Starting a new company. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, coming out of COVID, funding's, you know, not, you know, that readily available. So first of all, thank you for doing this to try to solve something, you know, that you lived yourself, right? I think that's the goal. And what we've seen across all the founders that you worked with in the accelerator, they experienced something in healthcare that they then went out and built a company so other folks didn't have to have that same type of experience. Um, so Going back to kind of your background, you know, you, you've worked a lot with older folks and you're any, you know, had this fear of going into a home. I kind of want to touch on that because I can totally relate. You know, my mom was in a assisted living facility, so it's something near and dear to my heart. But if you look at the numbers and the data of the silver tsunami, as, as it's commonly known, right? Six, 10,000 65-year-olds, uh, 10,000 people a day turning 65 in the United States. Those are daunting numbers, and we are ill-equipped to handle that kind of tidal wave of people getting older in the current infrastructure. We just don't have enough places for those folks to go. And to your point, a lot of folks would rather age gracefully in place. So, you know, I, I think what you're doing is something that, you know, the country has to embrace because we just don't have the capacity, right? I'd love your thoughts on that. Yeah, I do. I think I view it a little bit differently because I I provide care in these homes. I see the community provide care to these patients and these individuals. I do think we have enough resources. We do not use our resources well, and we don't help the people who are willing to be the Annie's, the people who are willing to care for multiple members of a family. And so I think we have to really tackle this differently, help those who are willing to help. And you do not need a formal discipline to provide most of care. Most of care is pretty innate. We do it for our children. We do it for our grandchildren. Why can't we do it for our older generations? So I used to think all the time about um, how do we figure out a way to have like an au pair model (laughs) and Mm. help people? Uh, but I, that one, it, healthcare is so heavily regulated. I could never get past anywhere uh, with the regulations, but one day I'll come up with it. Yeah. So, but I, I do, I think, um, I think we can't 
think that the best place for our aging population is in a bricks and mortar nursing home. I think that fewer and fewer staff members are in those places and fewer and fewer great clinicians are there and the care is exceptionally poor and we're seeing life expectancies go down and people being just generally sad. Um, I have a lot of family members who speak about the light going out in their loved one when when you take away their independence and autonomy. And, and so that's what I'm kind of on a mission to help preserve. And Michelle, can you talk about, I think, because you mentioned there, like we have the resources, we're not using them the right way. How are you using technology to better deploy those resources? Because I think that's such an important part of your model. Not only is the technology useful to the end, patient, you're using it in a way that better organizes and it makes our resources more efficient. Can you share that um, model a little bit? Yeah. So we we help educate people. We do a lot of front loading of care. So we do you do have heavy access to clinical people at the outset, but people learn fast. It's really awesome and wonderful about humanity. And so we just equip them with the education they need and the technology and resources. And then people who are in the home caregiving are really great about identifying infection early, identifying issues that we wouldn't have seen, letting us know early on when there's a fall. Um, and so we're able to keep people out of hospitals and bricks and mortar settings, which is then the gateway to the nursing home. So we're, we're able to keep people home for longer. Yeah, I think which is, that's a great question, Courtney, because I don't think everyone really realizes, and you you put a really good take on it, Michelle, because you know, you saying that we have the right resources, we just haven't harnessed them correctly because we all hear about not enough nurses, not enough doctors. People. We have 5 million. That's a ton of nurses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we don't access right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, which is, I, I appreciate that because I'm, I, most of the time we hear doom and gloom. We don't have enough nurses. We're not going to have enough doctors. The world's going to fall apart. But, you know, to your point, you know, it's just harnessing them in a, in a different way, leveraging technology to 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 enable this this care delivery model, this kind of everywhere delivery of care model. So I, I love that point. Um, so another question for you. So you built this company. You've gone through the accelerator. Kind of from your view, you know, what's next for Equity Health? You know, what what would you like to do optimally in terms of growth? Um, you know, you're in Carolina, you're addressing, you know, a lot of folks who are in rural environments. I'd love to just kind of hear the long-term plan and what you would like to see optimally happen. Yeah. And I think this has changed a lot since my time through the accelerator and really doing some uh, introspection and trying to decide what are really our goals. And so I think the longer we can stay as independent as possible and self-funded, the better off we're going to be. And so I think Because the problem is so complex, the fewer cooks in the kitchen is going to be the better way. So instead of rapid growth, we've decided to uh, go the strategy of organic growth. So we are trying to get statewide in North Carolina. We've now got two hubs in two major cities, one in Greensboro, one in Charlotte. And then I'd love to get into the mountains of Asheville and out to the coast in Wilmington. And then you can also tackle the big health center, although they have lots of access to care in Raleigh-Durham area. But um, I, I think it's, I think I'm really struggling as a clinician on can you really scale quality? And then how do you find the right quality people? And so I've decided that I think you can, but it can't be fast. 
you've got to do due diligence. You've got to make sure the people you're putting in a home are doing it for the right reasons. You've got to make sure the people who are providing access to the most vulnerable members of our community are the right people. Well, I just wanted to ask one last question, which is just sort of, you know, with that in mind, what what do you hope to see change in the healthcare system? Um, if you're looking five, 10 years out from here, what's different about our system um, that has improved as a result of Equity Health's involvement? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give my super nursing lens first um, because yes, we asked yes. about our nursing shortage. <laughs> so I don't believe we have a nursing shortage. I believe we have a leadership shortage and a good leadership shortage. So we have really, um, I don't, it's like big corporate values have come into healthcare and has really changed it for those of us who felt called to go into this work. And so if we could have a few people really stand up and create a system that is in alignment with the clinical core, the people who are called to do this work, I mean, nobody in their right mind would do what I do on a daily basis. (laughs) (laughs) But but I get up every day and I can't wait to get back at it. So it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened to me. I'm sure my grandpa felt that way when he was developing hybrid technology. <laughs> I'm sure the calculations at first were <laughs> so complex that it felt punishing. But um, anyway, I just think that we need better leadership. I think we need be- better nursing leadership. If more nurses could help guide the future of healthcare, we can't, we can't not succeed. I mean, we're, you know, we we are the most trusted profession. We always choose what's right for the patient, even at our own detriment, which is, you know, why we why we end up being so burnt out. But um, so I think more clinicians at the helm, more nurses at the helm would be my recommendation, as opposed to, you know, we, we put all these um, people who could do uh but spreadsheets and manage budgets and we put them in control of healthcare. And yeah. so what we have is that health systems are making large profits, insurance companies are making large profits, and all of us clinicians are pretty burnout and tired. And so there's got there's got to be a shift. And I think that that's coming. It makes me excited to think about um, there, there's a lot of me's out there. There's a lot of people who just get fed up with this that think we, we've got to be able to create this for the future differently. And um, so, so that's really what I think the future holds. Um, at least I hope. I think that if we keep on our same path, it's going to collapse. Well, it's a standalone. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, Michelle, this has been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate your time and your optimism. It gives me hope for kind of there's folks like you out there trying to make healthcare better. So again, thank you for your time. Thank you, Courtney, for being here with me. Um, and thank you for joining us, everyone. You can find us um, on marketscale.com. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, and join us next time. And if you want to see the other episodes featuring our Health Accelerator cohort participants, please go back and check out those episodes as well. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.